1: Co-worker of yours.
0: Stephen Belton is joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Stephen, so much to discuss. Thanks again for the time today.
2: Oh, thanks. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Joanna and Paul.
0: So the Strip had a piece out yesterday about this new policy on Hennepin Healthcare. That you can either be a doctor or a cop, but you can't be both and work for Hennepin Healthcare. Now, this was fascinating to me on many levels because I didn't realize there were so many doctors that were moonlighting as law enforcement. And then I also didn't realize that that could be, and again, this is my own naivete, this is why I have a lot of questions, um, that that could be a problem. So, what do you think about the decision that Hennepin Healthcare said, "Okay, docs, you can no longer moonlight as cops because that would make some of the patients feel unsafe"? Um, what do you think about all of this?
2: You know, I'll kind of jump to the end of that story, of that article, and uh, where the uh, CEO of uh, Hennepin Healthcare uh, acknowledged and stated that you know they are on their own equity journey. And I think they said she, it was her way of saying, we're try, kind of making this up as we go along, but we're committed to addressing the issue of equity because of who they are and who they are in this community. And to me, that helped frame an understanding. The fact is there aren't that many doctors or medical professionals who have dual careers. In fact, in the Hennepin Healthcare System, which has about 800 employees, the article said there are only three doctors who actually uh, moonlight or have side gigs as in law enforcement, but the issue for me and I think for the hospital is is about the optics of it you know as a as a lawyer, we are required to have an ethical standard that prevented us from not only doing to having direct conflicts of interest, but also avoiding the appearance of the conflict of interest. And I think here you had the potential for both, certainly the appearance of a conflict for a community, and particularly, you know, given that HIPAA and healthcare, and it's flight hospital, possible HCMC serves such a substantial population of people of color and particularly african-americans you're dealing community trust is important and the community is roaring with distrust from hennepin health care you know the you know the you know the scandals that have been involved they go beginning with the uh, ketamine trials that were being done that people didn't even know about that were being used on largely on people of color and then more recently with the uh, the incidents of racism that were in the hospital itself. So the community already is distrustful. And then to have that system uh, be represented by the potential, and it's only three doctors, but they represent the mm-hmm. optical, so sort of the appearance of the potential that, you know, you may have law enforcement or have, have health professionals who are compromised by their law enforcement uh, affiliation as well, I think was too much, and I think they made the right call here. I think it's a challenging call for those three doctors uh, but I don't. I think it was an easy call if you're listening to your patients and to the community.
3: Okay. Hey, Stephen. First Thank question: uh, What do you think of this weather? Oh huh?
2: God. Well, so so first, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, oh. I have to, if I may, I just want to give a shout out to you. Congratulations on your your new publication, a kids' guide to saving the planet. And I actually wanted to take this opportunity to encourage you to do a a follow-up novel of a, a parent's guide to supporting kids who are saving the planet. <laughs> yeah. so I love, love that. I, I love the idea. I love the the work that you've done, and and uh, making this speaking to kids as adults are recognizing their intelligence, but also speaking to them in their language about the importance of addressing and being activists in climate change. But I think one of the challenges that kids are gonna have of course is having adults around them who support their work, who support their activism. And I just yeah. I really like yeah. what you're doing and I just want to give you a shout out for doing that.
3: So. Well I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um
2: and by the way, my I think father. the weather sucks. I think the weather sucks if you, in answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay. But I don't know if I had used can I use Fappers? that word on radio, but it's yeah. terrible. Uh huh.
3: It's fine. Mm-hmm. Stephen, you can That's say fine. anything once. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's already going out into the universe at the speed of light. It's fine. Um it's my f- and speaking of parents, my dad taught me and I really do believe this, that we have rights and we have responsibilities. He ingrained yep. that in my my brother and sister. And he said that actions have consequences. And so, you know, from a a young age, the age of six or seven, he he taught me this. And the reason I'm bringing this up, the conversations that St. Paul is having right now regarding reparations, regarding providing financial assistance to the descendants of American slaves. And I know a number of other cities around the United States are having these conversations. Is this the right time? And is it time that we, as a, as a society, address uh, sins that were committed, you know, 100, 150 years ago or longer?
2: Yeah, so I don't remember who made the quote, originally made the quote, but if not, not, if not now, then when, and if not us, then whom? And uh, as far as the issue of this, you know, being, you know, the events that, you know, chattel slavery itself, you know, ended over 100 years ago. Uh, it was an institution. This country was actually founded on that institution, and we have still yet to reckon with it. And more importantly, I think, you know, the issue for city of St. Paul and for the other municipalities and forms of government who are wrestling with it is, is that the descendants of enslaved persons are still dealing with that issue every day we are still penalized by it we're still dealing with the effects of institutional race structural racism whether people buy into that is a reality or not that is the lived experience of black people in this country and you could just need to look at the continuing disparities between blacks and whites in this state and we have among the worst in the country and the city of saint paul was acknowledging its own history of complicity in racist structures, uh, both in terms of things like redlining and the decision, the deliberate decision to break up the black community by sending uh, 94, which is not non-established uh, part of our infrastructure, but they divided and, and basically disassembled a, black, a thriving black community in doing that, but also in their complicity in uh, failure to educate and to provide employment and to adjust the wealth gap that continues to exist and persist among the uh, descendants of enslaved persons and so i think it's the right call i think it's the right conversation i think we're having it at the right time the big question for me is that why isn't minneapolis further along in this and why isn't the state and the federal government doing more to address it okay
0: um now we know think, other cities I
2: think, I, 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 i'm sorry i just think i think there's a misconception that reparations involves a pot of money at the end of all of this for everybody i think reparations is a much broader discussion yes i think there needs to be financial recompense but i also think it's much broader than that in terms of the policy implications and the in the different kinds of programs and the city of st paul is actually having hearings to begin to understand and address what that might mean in st paul okay
0: can we just explore that? I know we don't have a ton of time, but I'm fascinated by this. And we asked Mayor Carter to come on. For some reason, he can't, but we're hoping to maybe get somebody to talk about what the program implementation would look like. Do you have any insight, inside information at all on what that would look like, who it would encompass, where the money's coming from, if it, and if it's not just money, if it's other stuff, any, any scoop?
2: Yeah, I would just say be patient, because I think there's a sense of anxiety or anxiousness among a lot of people about what this will mean and when it will mean anything. But I think uh, if you know anything about government, you know it's it's the opposite of fast. So Mm -hmm. you should not be expecting a reparations program to appear uh, in the city of St. Paul or be announced next year or the year after, it'll probably more likely it's going to be five or 10 years in the making. They will be slow and deliberate, gather information. The whole thing begins with a year of planning before they actually begin the work of the actual commission itself. And so they're starting with four hearings, the purpose of those hearings is to both share information about how the process is going to unfold and to begin to hear from the public about what they would like to see, what they'd like to avoid, what the issues are, what some of the you know, what some of the obstacles and opportunities are ahead. And so I think this is going to be an iterative process. I don't I'm not privy to the planning in city of St. Paul. But I've been watching with great interest, just like everybody else, are people who are interested in this matter. And I think we're going to, you know, what we ought to look forward to is a deliberate, thoughtful process where the public will have lots of opportunity to engage and to to share their views and concerns.
3: Urban League, Twin Cities, Stephen Belton, thank you and thanks for the shout out, Stephen. That means a lot. I appreciate you, and we appreciate you and your perspective. And we'll catch you back here next Tuesday. Thank you.
2: Grateful for the opportunity to be with you. Thanks again. Bye-bye. You Thank you, Stephen. Yeah.
0: That, that idea of reparations is is fascinating, and I think it is a long time coming. And I'm just so interested to hear how it would shake out. What the? I know they're talking about it, but I'd love to hear a plan, uh, how it, it's going to be implemented. We'll keep following that story.